Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. I'm thrilled to be here. I don't get a lot of opportunities to do things like this. So my name's Josh. I am a chainsaw. I I, mean, I work in forestry, um, I, which uh, not unexpected. Uh, my dad was a table saw, and my mom was a necklace, and so that's that's kind of how it came to pass. Um, you are you are very powerful. Uh, Thank you. You are, you're also, I hope it's okay to say for me as a human, there's something scary about a chainsaw, mm-hmm. uh, the danger of it. And even sitting here with you, I realize I feel a little bit of anxiety. Just, I guess, just being near your blades. Do you feel that when you're around humans, the sort of your impact on? I yeah. do. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I try to be, very careful and and mindful of it. I think there's a fear that stems from just the power and the capacity for destruction or raw metal kinetic energy that I'm capable of. But I also think it's a lot of uh, media-driven hype, right? You know, there's no Texas buzzsaw massacre. There's no Texas handsaw massacre. It's uh, chainsaws, I think, are kind of mythologized when I consider myself a horticultural implement more than a, a, a wreaker of damage. I read um, in in getting ready for this interview, I read that the average chainsaw injury mm-hmm. requires 110 stitches. <sighs> wow. <sighs> yeah. Can you tell me, if it's not too hard for you, um, can you tell me about the time that you caused an injury to a human? I I figured this might come up. <sighs> you know, I haven't talked about it much because it was kind of a um a troubled day in my own past, but it was um it was a hot day. I was in rural Oregon. We were almost done w- with the job. My operator that day was working unsupervised just that he could blaze through the last few tasks maybe trying to work a little too hard to get through the day, go home and see his family. I sympathize. It was a sweaty day, and his uh, his hand slipped. And uh, my um, motor fell on his foot, uh, broke his smallest toe. It, it was a hard day for me because to cause someone physical harm It's just so antithetical to the way I try to work and and who I think I am. I really had to do some some soul-searching. And fortunately, he was just in a walking boot. Well, 
we talked about my fear uh, of you. Mm-hmm. What's scary to you as a chainsaw? Well, I mean, spiders, but that's everybody, I think. But really, so I do, ever since that injury, I think a lot about, I, I fear hurting someone else and hurting someone worse. And it's it's kind of ironic because long before we were mostly uh, employed for forestry, chainsaws were actually developed as surgical tools. You're saying chainsaws were yeah. originally designed to cut open living people. Yeah, which sounds so grotesque to me now because that is it just uh, the horror of it. It's funny because the you know you're you're held by a person, mm-hmm. but a lot of what they're thinking like they're just thinking about not touching you in mm-hmm. a way, at least touching you on your chain. Yep. What's it feel like when you're I guess getting ready for to be used mm-hmm. and you see your operator put on eye protection and mm-hmm. ear protection mm-hmm. and you know maybe those special pants. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I think in a good relationship between a human and a chainsaw, those things aren't about fear. They're about respect and they're about safety. You know, it's not it's not an insult when someone puts on a condom, right? It's just a precaution that's taken and that can be in a very loving relationship. Uh, and and I think that's what I I appreciated and respected and and I appreciate that they're treating me with respect. Is it uh, just speaking of the people, the person that uses you? Do we do we call them a lumberjack? Is that still lumberjack or lumberjell? That's a, a a female lumberjack. Is a lumberjell a lumberjell? It's oh. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that works across the object world. Like, is a female jack in the box a Jill in the box? Yeah. Actually, it's a Diane in the box. Hello? Hi, is this Audrey? As is indeed. Is that Ian? It is. Hello. Hello to you. How do you do? I'm Hands well. across the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so, Audrey, I wanted to talk to you because you, in World War II, you were part of the Women's Timber Corps. Um, yes. The, the Lumberjills. That's right. And they were formed in 1942. When did you join up? Um, I was, I can't remember the year now, but I was in domestic service mm-hmm. um, during the war through the Battle of Britain and all the rest of it. And I thought I ought to be doing something a bit more useful than waiting on people who could wait on themselves, if you like. And at this time, I was 17 and 10 months. Wow. Um, and I had to get permission from my parents because I still wasn't 18. <laughs> My understanding is that um, those of you in the Timber Corps, you were felling trees that were used in the war effort, um, like telegraph poles, the the rails that they used um, on on the beach at D-Day. That's right. And we did the uh, we did some beech trees, which were went in the Mosquito aircraft. Wait, what's that? A Mosquito aircraft. Yeah. That that was the all wood bomber that we had, two-engine de Havilland Mosquito. Oh. And if you look up, yeah, look up Mosquito. No doubt you've got one of these magic boxes. You can press buttons and you'll see it was a two-seater. wasn't armed at all because they wanted it for speed. 
So it had no guns or bombs or anything to start with. I, I'm looking at it right here. This was this plane was made out of wood that you helped chop down. Yeah. What was it like doing this work? Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I shouldn't say I enjoyed the war, but uh, I mean, the war started. It was horrible, but uh, we were doing our, our best in a tight situation because it was pretty tight at, at the few times. Yeah. Although we didn't get up and, and fight hand to hand or or bomb people or anything, um, in a way the wood, the wood helped. Also. Yeah. Audrey, can I ask? Do you remember what you did when the war ended? Yes, I couldn't believe it. It's because we thought, oh, now what happens? Um, we got a thank you letter for the lady. And 20, for my three and a half years' work, I got 20 clothing coupons. <laughs> and the first thing I did was bought myself a nice tweed overcoat. That was 18 coupons, so I left two. So for three years of service, you got a thank you note and a, and a tweed overcoat. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well... Audrey, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Right, well, okay, Ian. Thanks very much for calling. And we might talk again one day, okay? Uh, okay, I, ho- I hope so. Do you mind me asking what generation you're in? I'm, I'm 41 years old. I was born in 1978. Right. Gracious. <laughs> to be so young. Josh, I want to ask you a little bit about sound. Mm-hmm. You're very loud. I am. Not not as a speaker, but when you're, I guess, working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very loud. How does it feel being that loud? It feels good. Yeah? Yeah. And um, it's very liberating. It's liberating in part because... It can't be another way. You know, I spend so much of my day quiet and inert. And to when we're working, have just this guttural, mechanical bellow that I let out. It's very cathartic. Uh, it feels it feels very powerful. And it feels like a warning. Hey, be careful. I think if I were quiet... Uh, people wouldn't understand the, the power within me. And and so it feels it feels fitting. Are there other sounds you ever think about making? Would you like to make a different sound ever? Sure. Oh, yeah. Who wouldn't? I think I would like to be able to have a roar of a lion. It feels very powerful and majestic, but in a different timber. And there there's a, a warmth, a, a, an organic warmth that I that I lack. And then um, I guess I would want to sound like Cher. You want to sound like Cher? Uh Uh-huh. So I pull your cord, Mm -hmm. start you up. Yeah. And and what comes out is believe. Believe if I could turn back time. Because when you hear Cher, you think, that's Cher. Like, I sound like most other chainsaws. But when you hear share, that's just share. 
and I think that's a really special quality to have. And I, uh, it's something that I that I aspire to, but I think will will never be possible for me. It's nice to picture, you know. Yeah. Like, imagine a, a forest, and there's say five lumberjacks and mm-hmm. lumberjills there. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of them has a chainsaw, and they they start up, and they sound like chainsaws, and then you start up. Yeah. And I sound like Cher. People will notice. People would, people would stand up and take notice. I think so. Yeah. That's it. That guy's doing something different. Um, I guess while we're on the subject, I'll ask you the question. Do you believe in life after love? Oh, yeah. I think that's a chainsaw's whole job. Life after love? Yeah. Well, you know that... The growth of a of a tree, there's love there. There's nourishment and there's care and attention taken to growing something. And then once that's no more in its current form, there's no tree. I think I have to believe that there's life after that, or else I wouldn't I I would keep me up nights. So when I'm making a, a nice clean line through a piece of wood, I think maybe this will be someone's home or maybe a table. It may be uh, several million toothpicks. It could be anything. And, and I think that potential is really what keeps me thriving and what, what gets me going in the morning. Yeah, I believe in life after love. Is there for you a kind of dream object you would love uh, a tree to become? Hmm. I like to think that some of the trees I've cut down have become boats. Yeah. I've never been on a boat, right. but it sounds so thrilling. Just uh, the unsteadiness of the ocean, I find very exhilarating. And that's what I find dangerous because, look, you drop me on the ground. I'm going to be fine at the end of the day. But if you drop me in the ocean, whew, there I go. You know, the, eroded by the salt, waterlogged. There's a, there's a danger to the sea that I, I respect and fear. And, and so I think a boat, because the, the wood, it bends so easily against my will and against my strength. But then to watch it master the waves, it, it really makes it feel like a partnership. Like I cut the tree down so that it might have a different strength and a different capacity than it does in nature. It's almost like a game of rock, paper, scissors, really. Mm-hmm. Chainsaw beats tree, mm-hmm. tree beats ocean, ocean beats, beats chainsaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to play a game of, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, chainsaw, tree, ocean? Sure. Chainsaw. Okay. okay. I guess since you don't have hands, we'll just say it out loud. Okay. Just I'll say one, two, three. Okay. And then we'll say what we are. One, two, two three, three ocean. chainsaw. Do you want to play again? Sure. One, two, three, Ocean. chainsaw. Oh, okay. Um, all right, one more. One, one two, three, Ocean. chainsaw. Okay. okay. You know, you can choose to be something other than chainsaw. Can I, though?
Josh, you're gas powered. Oh yeah. Um, are you full right now? By the way, it's a little presumptuous, but I'd say three quarters. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's it feel like when you run out of gas? I've never really put words to it. It feels like being between things. I drop into this place. Everything's dark. And there's an emptiness. Literally an emptiness. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm floating. And there's no, I'm not expending any effort and nothing is expected of me. And there are lights in the distance. I'm gliding like a scalpel, I imagine. I imagine it's what it feels like to be a scalpel. I'm light and I'm gliding. And it always smells like a horse was there recently, but isn't anymore. And it's the kind of dark where you understand how people thought the stars could look like constellations. Like every little brightness feels so bright and it feels like it must mean something. And quietly, and you can't tell exactly where from, there's always, gently in the distance, the song Sister Christian by Night Ranger. Every time. Always Sister Christian. Always in the distance. Never louder, never quieter. And then, uh... I feel myself filling up and and then I'm I'm full again. I'm sad to leave the emptiness, but it's um it's nice to have balance, to have the full times and the empty times. Um I think if I were to have guessed before meeting you, mm-hmm. uh, you're the first chance I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I get that a lot. I think I'm, I think I'm surprised. I, you, you seem more gentle than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, from afar, I would have imagined chainsaws to be a very broy kind of macho culture. Oh yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, well, especially in forestry, we're kind of socialized to have a very traditionally masculine attitude just sort of like oh chop down this much wood which is kind of it's toxic and it's not across the board certainly but there is kind of like from the older generation of chainsaws it's it's um i think i fit in more with humans in a lot of ways than with other chainsaws yeah you're kind of you're kind of in between because chainsaws aren't exactly your community but people they're afraid of you yeah 
I don't think I have many, I don't think I have many friends. It's, uh, I mean, when a chainsaw shows up at a party, you know, it's, uh, something has gone awry. I think people are a little wary around me and they don't know how to, how to deal with me outside of work. I mean, people like to have me around. They need to have me around. We work together during the day and then at the end of the day, they go home to their human families and I hang out in the shed. That makes sense. But, you know, no one ever, uh, no one ever wants to high five a chainsaw, tell them good job. No one ever gives a chainsaw a hug. It's a little weird maybe, but, um, you know, do you want to, I give you a hug. Aren't you afraid? Well, I mean, I think I would ask that you not turn on. Yeah, um, obviously. I am afraid. It okay. is okay. It is scary. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, I mean, the same thing you are, but from the opposite side. I'm afraid of being murdered, and you're afraid of murdering. Yeah. It is, when you say it, uh, a different kind of fear. Well, uh, all right. Here, here goes. My arms around you. Huh. That's a hug. Uh, tell tell me, you know, this is your first first hug. First hug. I don't remember my first hug. Oh, it's very weird. It's warm, but only in certain places, and I'm noticing that. And, but I wouldn't want it to be warm everywhere. Uh, I will say, mm-hmm. you're sharper than the people I've hugged. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um this goes on i realize i'm i'm really doing all of the embracing here yeah but uh, you know still i guess it's still technically a hug Mm -hmm. can i ask you for me it's gotten to the point as it does with humans that the hug has gone on too long oh yeah i'm feeling that definitely all right i'm gonna you know sure this is on you yeah um do you hug everyone you interview uh, you're the first. Uh-huh. This is Everything is Alive. The show is produced by Jennifer Mills with me, Ian Chillog, and Eva Walchover. Josh the Chainsaw was played by Josh Gondelman. Josh is a comedian and writer whose new essay collection, Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results, is available everywhere now. Special thanks to Emily Spivak. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Her book is called Weird Parenting Wins. A big thanks to Audrey King for talking to us about her time as a lumberjill in World War II. Also, thank you to Joanna Fote, who's author of the book The Lumberjills, Britain's Forgotten Army, for her help as well. Music help this week from Kathleen Smith. Also, a special thanks to Rob Byers for his help. Episode art, our new episode art, is by Chips New York. Everything is Alive is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, Julie Shapiro, executive producer. You can get in touch with us any number of ways at everythingisalive.com. Find us on Twitter at Ian Chillog. Let me know if you would like to play a game of Chainsaw Tree Ocean. We'll see you soon.
Radiotopia. From P.